we here. Episode 62 of the Lyrical Ones podcast. I am thankful, appreciative, and present. Cineo, joined with my fellow host, Al Fluent. Al Fluent, how you doing this evening? I'm doing well. I am beaten, battered, bruised, but not broken. Uh, you know, it's just a a crazy world that we in, and it's interesting that I grew up with a large family, and. Bush League. Come on, man. Got the notifications going. Uh, but it's interesting that uh, that I grew up with a large family and as I got into the public sector of um, the service industry, I came in with the mindset that I was going to service friends and family. And my idea of friends and family expanded the longer I was in the industry. And so being 10 years in the industry is like, um, you know, a lot of family. But growing up, I always had like a lot of cousins. Like we was never like in need of a reunion because it was just so many people and never enough space and never enough time. And there's no central location to get everybody to. Um, and over these last 19 months, last two years, basically, um, been watching people that I'm related to in the traditional sense pass on and now this year in hip-hop i'm watching folks that i'm related to in uh in poetry and and purpose and impact and mindset and kindred spirits i'm watching folks transition and pass on um you know, and just like, you know, 10 and 14 and 15 years older than me. And it's wild because like not all of it is, you know, related to, um, you know, the current you know, virus going around. Um, but a lot of it is. And it's really interesting that the mindset coming from a lot of folks in 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 the communities is that you know they can't trust the government and can't trust the healthcare system and even when they're you know faced with needing the healthcare system to you know you know prevent death People of color are still not getting a fair shake and fair coverage and fair protection and fair assistance. And like, it's scary. I just want to say like, uh, rest in power 
to Steve, Baba Zumbi, Zumbi, Gaines, uh, uh, Zion I, out of the bay. Um, so I'm like, I'm feeling that while I'm like having the best day of my life. Like my mother showed up to one of my group sessions today. Um, I mean, elated to have her. It's been a long time since she um, has been able to join my class. Um, it's outdoor class and, you know, she went through the whole class. So that was, that was great. Um, and like, I'm really, you know, in a great mood, but I'm aware of the hits I've taken. You know, I'm hyper aware of what's impacting me. Like, but I'm great, you know. Happy Wednesday. Happy August 18th to you, sir. How are you navigating today? I find a lot of comfort in you saying that, thinking about how, um, yeah, like, I, I had a very reflective conversation last night, thinking about the impact of not just the time period that we're in, but overall, everything when it comes to family and friends. And it becomes challenging if you start to envision something for yourself and it doesn't align with the people around you. It can be difficult to navigate. It can be very challenging conversations to have. And when you speak about, you know, loved ones, friends, family, and, you know, whether that's the genetic sense, right, by blood, or whether that's the, the spiritual sense or the lyrical sense, there is a there's these connections that are formed and these bonds that we make and you don't understand sometimes to what degree they have on you until you no longer have it that level of accessibility with someone when it is no longer accessible you start to define what the value is and i have a tremendous compassion and love for people for my community for friends, family, those around me, and it's not always expressed, but everyone has their love language. Every has Everyone has their way of connecting or showing their connection, and, you know, when it especially comes to family, and you say, you know, seeing them pass on, and in my lifetime, since I was a child, seeing so many people I was close to pass on, like, every two years, it became normal in my bubble in my universe my perspective to the degree that you just kind of sit around sometimes and say well who's next you kind of get this 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 perspective that you don't understand in contrast to other people who may not have that same experience and my mother would always tell me right you have a choice in how you receive or you choose to to accept it 
right? It's you can be sad or you can be happy. Different cultures experience death in different ways. And you have a choice on how you want to receive someone passing or losing someone that you love or someone that died. And so after a while, I started having a more morbid sense of humor because mm. I cry for so long and shed so many tears for people that I love, right? The, the right, your, your bottom lip just can't help but quiver. You, you, you know, you hit that for so long, right? That at a point for me, I was like, I'm going to take my mom up on this offer and I'm going to have a sense of humor about it. That doesn't mean it don't hurt. Don't mean that it, you don't have pain. Your pain is now being revealed in a different capacity. It's a different avenue. It's a different language or a different medium. And it wasn't until my mother passed away that it was like put to its test in a whole other fashion. I've lost a lot of mothers in my lifetime. Those I grew up with, those that were close to me, those, you know, cousins, aunties that, you know, their children are my kin. They're they're who I consider my siblings. So when it was my mom's turn, it was like that had been put to the test. But at the same time, seeing the, the world that I grew up in, health became a focal point. It became a grounding, a base, a foundation for me because my family didn't see it the same way I did. Right. It, it got to the point where even those in my community, my friends, my jobs, they were like, oh, yeah, he vegan, even though I'm not. Right. I, I could eat a whole steak in front of them. But in my in in the, my practice, the way they see me is I'm vegan because I have an assortment of fruits and vegetables with me at all times. Right. I'm I'm known for being the guy in the studio with a bag of different vegetables and fruits and people are like this dude. Right. This guy. And for me, it was survival. It was identifying what I had went through, the trauma that I experienced, the pain that was brought and losing people and then saying, I ain't going to go that route. I ain't going that way. Right. I, I had a cousin go through surgery, open heart surgery, who had renal disease, heart disease. And. His Facebook post as he recovered was, I can't wait for my auntie's fried chicken. And I was like, not me. Nope. Ain't going to get me. Right. I get it. Nope. Not me. I love you. But do you realize why you're here? Right. A history of what you've been eating has been destroying you because there was no balance. Right. Because that's the thing. I'm not saying it's this or that. I'm saying there's a balance that has to be met when it comes to anything you do. There's a balance. And the imbalance in my family was high. And I was like, right. I'm going to counter that with an extreme going to the farmer's market. I'm going to get some fresh produce. Right. So when you when you say outside of the family scope that the family expands and you start considering people outside of the genetic code and you start thinking of what is more of a code of ethics. Right. It brings into a memory where I work in, in my nonprofit field, I remember we put on an event and it was a beat battle. And at the beat battle, one of the beat battles, we had a judge. We had some judges. And of the three judges, 
two of those judges was a group from the Bay Area called Zionai. And when you work in nonprofit, you realize who's going to show up. You realize who's going to come for the kids, who's going to be there for the youth, who's going to show up for the people that have a, a need that isn't always met by society. So, and Zion came through. They came through and they supported, right? And that was like over, we talking about like over 10 years ago, maybe 12 years ago. So now fast forward and you, you, you're going through your feed and everyone receives information differently. And so I see Baba Zumbi, a rapper, an artist, a producer, a father, a friend, a brother to many, an uncle to many, so much to so many. And to me, a, a positive influence, a source of inspiration has passed. And it takes it takes me by surprise because you you just it doesn't even doesn't add up for me personally and my my processing it doesn't add up you're right because that's like saying stickman passed away that's like saying stickman from their press passed away right that did not happen folks if you're listening right as far but as i that, know that, you're right because when you say that, Stickman was one of the other people who was helping and support in the same, like, we talking about Dead Prez came through to support in the same program I was working in, right? Just as Talib Kweli did, right? You start thinking of these people and you're like, you, Baba Zumbi to me is is within that 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 universe of a sense of wellness, a sense of, of forward thinkingness, a sense of positivity, a sense of life and fertility. And so, yes, when you say that, it is like that. It's like saying that because it's like, how? When you know, right? Right. When you've had a time or a chance to sit down and talk to somebody or be around them and you get to receive their energy and their aura and then you're met with news that they're no longer here and you have to ask yourself, how? Right. The likelihood, the chance, the scales, right? Baba Zumbi st was still doing work in the community. He was, he was just a few years ago. He was help helping my little cousin's basketball team, right? So like, now my cousin's got to tell her son about this as he going to middle school. You know, going into what going into the sixth grade, sixth seventh grade. And she's like, I don't know what I'm going to tell him. Right? It's like folks don't realize like what goes hand in hand with the hip-hop culture is the environment that the culture is was born out of. Right? That's native to the culture. That's native to right it's like it wasn't created in the suburbs um and so the poverty stricken the dense population the 
the food insecurity, the the drugs, the dealing, the 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 prostitution, the the pimping, the street racing, the dog fighting, the the fisticuffs, the rough housing, the the relationships, the situationships, the the bravado, the the camaraderie, the gamesmanship, the one-upsmanship, the 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 girl power, the sports, the dozens, the jokes, the dancing, the the breaking, the popping and locking, and hypertension, high blood pressure, soul food, ICs, the candy house, the ice cream truck, the the chocolate milk, the cafeteria food, the the free food, the government cheese, right? The gunplay, the wordplay, like the the poetry, the nature, the energy, the spirituality, right? All the all that comes with the the desperation and the hope, the the order and the chaos, the familial and the divisive. Right, like the health, the wealth, the the harm, the trauma, like all of it, it comes with it. And so the same way you have griots and poets who are speaking to people, serving people, telling them that they could be more, that you don't have to subscribe to an identity that's fed to you through a radio station, that you could you could see me and say I'm just like you and that you could choose how you eat, you could choose to live longer. You don't have to choose from 14 different styles of bacon or 16 different flavors of Oreos in the, at the old local grocery store. Like you could, but there's there's a way that you can enjoy more of your life if you start to learn some keys. If you start to learn some key things and the folks that's teaching this stuff was, is learned from, taught by, also respected and loved Baba Zumbi. And so when you say, well, Like, if you trying to say, right, especially nowadays, right, you, when you try to stereotype somebody as a healthy person, right, if you as the generalize and say, this person is healthy, right, on the outside looking in, right, the things that he talks about, the way that he governs himself, his public persona, and his day-to-day interactions with with people 
all say that he is who he says he is. And social media finds out before his family does. Then his family has to hire a lawyer because they like something's up because they feel like you. How? Right? It's like, I feel like it's the same as me. It's like, whoa, is this supposed to put some kind of fear in me? That I that I'm susceptible, that I that that my health is not enough, that my immune system is not enough, that that my nutrition is not enough, right? That that my energy, my spiritual energy, that the wealth that I have, the abundance of wealth that I have within me is not enough to knock this. And if they find out certain information about me, they gonna treat me a certain way, or do they go choose to like do less for me? Like we can talk about theories all you want, but really, it's like. Right, what happens to my family happens to me. Right, but I can't live with it like I can't adopt the trauma. Right, like I can't, I can't die too. Right, like if my family is disrespected, I can't be victim too. Cause I'm 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 not that. And there's things about what happened to my family, right, that I'm not in control of. So as much as it happens to me, right, I know I'm living my own life. And so my ancestors, right, even the ones younger than me, right, are there to teach me. Right? And more than that, right there, they remind me of what I know, right? The truth behind my reality, right? The truth behind the sh the shell game, right? The full the full car Monty, right? That that that's the healthcare system, that's the politics, right? It's it's the it's the shell game, it's the I'm three years old, look up at the sun while I pulled this quarter from behind your ear. Right? They was like, oh, look at these hospitals while we pull while we pull this unemployment money out of our butts. Oh, we let's look over here while we while, look at these look at these folks in the hospital now as we pulled in some more, you know, trillions of dollars to go to go uh fight some people or save some people or free some people. 
you know, or go buy some people, basically. But like we like you gotta question how. Even if you don't get an answer, right? Because if you ask how, even if you don't have an answer, you can say, well, how do I play defense against it, right? It's like guarding Steph Curry. It's like, I know at just before half court, he got range. And so the strategy, right? One, I make him work harder on defense, so he more tired on offense. But I also seen him make some crazy shots where I ask how, even when he fatigued and tired. So the shots is not going to stop being spectacular. Right? So then I say, well, I got to get the ball out of his hands. Well, if I get the ball out of his hands, then he go do even more running. Then I got to chase him because I know that if he gets a sliver of space, he pulling the trigger and it's in the trigger so fast that it's going in before I got my hand up because he ain't even watching it go in. But when I asked that, how did that go in? Well, I know he shot it. I know that much, right? So I say, when I ask how, I say, well, I know this guy, this leader, right? This this man, this, this you know, local guru was at a hospital in Berkeley. I know that much. Like, well, Steph can't shoot no threes if he inside the three-point line. Right? So we just make, if we just drive him off the line, make him drive, right? He got to shoot twos. Like, yeah, they'll go in. But if we got him shooting more twos than threes, we all right. So just let him go. Let's chase him in there. Say, well, and that's what then that's what right then they get the mentality, right? Of a lot of folks. Like, well, we just gonna stay away from the hospital. Right? Because whatever they offering, right, it ain't for us. And so then I right, I can't be mad at that. And so right, some people take this as as a right, as a uh, opportunity to fear, right? Some is going to take this as an opportunity to flee, right? Some is going to take this as an opportunity to, to fight, right? And that's what happens in survival, right? So, like, what it, what it does tell me more than anything is that we're still in the space of surviving, Regardless of whether the mask is on or not, whether they asking people for cards and proof or not, you still gotta be in a space of how do I survive? And if you if you too complacent to ask that, then you gotta be prepared 
to be fooled in some kind of way. Because you're not looking for your own answers. You're waiting for theirs. Um, and I never in my life seen that work out well for people of color. <laughs> As they often say, right? Worst and first. First and worst. And I'm saying that in relation to when there's a change that's going to come in any context, whether that's when when I say political, people segment that off as much as they segment off mental. No, they are one and the same. Politics play into the laws. The laws govern what we do. Just as our mind, right, and our thoughts, they govern, we as much have free will and the ability to exercise self-control, that's governed by our mind. The outcome is the action, right? When you say how, when you have when you say you gotta ask how, even if you're not gonna get an answer. It's to notify and communicate and let them know what we're thinking, what we're seeing, how we're receiving it. And and this may be controversial for people to hear out my mouth. I'm stepping, I'm stepping down and I'm 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 stepping down in one way and I'm stepping up in another. And and I'm saying that to say when it comes to people of color and poor people, right? Poor people, especially poor people, because you don't you could be a person of color and they can view you as black, brown, red, yellow, whatever. Or they can view you as a person of color who's poor. Right. You might think you're doing all right. You might think that you might be okay. In someone else's eyes, you might just be another poor person. You could eat, be living but and I'm saying this out of experience, I'm not I'm not theorizing. This is already taking place, it's already happened. When you have money, whether you black or white or whatever, and I'm talking about real money, you get to escape the borders, the boundaries, and the limitations placed on you, regardless of where you at financially. If you if you affluent, affluent in a certain capacity, right? And you just so happen to have it like that in a wealthy standard, right? There's a threshold that you exceed that most people don't have any any way to reach. So your health care, your access, your relationship is different. And we've seen this play out when it comes to when it comes to race, because, yes, it happens that a lot of wealthy people just so happen to be the majority of the people who live here in a racial context. But that does not mean that there is not people of color who are a minority who also have a lot of money who get to have those same privileges those same benefits right where they don't have to pay for certain things they just got it like that because of the potential of them opening up their wallet now i'm not saying any rapper or mc is poor i'm saying is a class being a rapper as a class, I don't know how many 
influential lobbies in politics there are where it's a bunch of rappers making laws. I don't know how many of them are invested in these medical and military companies and are making buku billions of dollars. But if I go and I start to investigate and dig deeper and I and I start to see where's if I follow the money, as they say, I can start to see that it ain't rappers. Right. Right. It may be a little trickle, a little sprinkle of some color folks, but a lot of that wealth, a lot of that um, untouchable population is a very limited population, but they exist and they they govern a lot of things and they make a lot of things happen. So when I'm looking at two things happening at once, I'm looking at this rapper who I appreciate, I'm inspired by, and he he's no longer here. And I have to ask myself, how? How did this happen? Right. And then I look at another country and I see that what was projected, communicated, broadcasted and messaged to me was this enemy, this this group of individuals, this terrorist group, if you will, because that's what was broadcasted to me. That was the message given to me. I had no conception of what the name meant. I just knew based off of what was given to me, this is how I'm supposed to receive it. And now they're they're taking over a country that we had heavily a heavy influence involvement and we've we've been we've been tethered to in some capacity in the surrounding area for what half a century if not more and here we are 35 years here we are now right where i'm witnessing this message that is people trying to escape people are afraid people are scared i have people who i work with who are communicating to me their fears around what's going to happen to a place they call home they've already had to leave in pursuit of a dream and as much as they pursue it right there's still this other part of them that exists where they think about what they what what's another home you can have two homes you can have two right. places your heart belongs you can create a life here and still romanticize and think about what was over there. It happens. It's okay. There's no shame in that. Now, when you have a governing body, insight nationalism, right. right? A national sense of pride. And they try to institute that in other countries. They try to nur- like develop that, even though they have yet to fully nourish it and develop it here, because now we right. have a divide, right? What it means to be a nationalist here is, so convoluted and complicated right but again right you take a region that has tribes has different subcultures has different perspectives and then you introduce the concept of nationalism a national identity to try and have access to all of the land right the map was not drawn by the people that lived there the map was drawn by the people who wanted access to it right that's that's not a that's not a lie, right? People who live there, they know what home is. But when it starts to get lined up and divided and start to get compartmentalized, right? It's not to say there wasn't conflict. It's not to say it was always peace. But it is to say that a lot of people had a hand in it. And then you look at what's happening, you got to ask yourself, how did we get here? How did this happen? Yeah. And, I, and you're right. You got to ask how because... Whether you make the metaphor about 
an incredible athlete and their abilities where you got to ask yourself, how are they able to do this? You have to ask yourself, well, how am I going to get involved? Because if it's happening over there, that just means it's only a matter of time before some ripple effect will get to me. Right. right? Whether that's an emotional sense or whether that's a, a literal sense, right? There's going to be refugees who need a place to go. I'm not against it, but there's people who are going to be against it. There's going to be people who are going to say, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to deal with this? How are we supposed to take this on? I think there is always a way. I always think there is a, a method to it. Not everyone's willing to do it. But I think it's possible. And, and you know, I just think that, you know, it, it really draws in what do you do for your health? Right. Because that's the, that's like the, that's the baseline. That's literally the the ground zero. Right. For your mental health. And it's not to minimize it or invalidate, but it, it's about finding those things that give you a sense of wellness, a sense of wholeness, a sense of grounding calm. I can speak to it because I've gone through my own battles. Right. We I mean, I don't know if you heard of this pretty big rapper who's talking about their 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 struggles with mental health, which was a big revelation to me it was very revealing of them to say that because the artist that i know them to be right is a very incredibly talented but very aggressive artist and to hear them be vulnerable it took me aback right but again i say with the how right how do i engage my mental health how do i engage a healthy relationship with my mind because sometimes we don't even we don't want to admit how much it governs so much. Our emotions, our feelings, what we're going through, what we're trying to detach from, what we're right. just going along with. All these different things have an impact. And you have to create a balance, create awareness, create a sense of, you know, maintenance for it. And so, you know, I, I, I say that because, yeah, counseling is important. Speaking to others is important. Saying and asking how is important. But also knowing to withdraw, knowing when the fight or knowing when the fight needs to change, your method in the fight needs to change, right? Not, not every fight needs to have the same style. Sometimes the style needs to be, you know what, this is a marathon. This is a, this is a game of attrition. This is strategic, right? This isn't just me getting to the punch. Sometimes it's about me being defensive to retreat, right? Not in cowardice. But to think about how do I approach this so I can ensure a victory, not become lost in my ego, which is a part of the mind, to then say I have the ability to do so because not all battles can be won, especially if you don't prepare. Right. Right. And so I think about all that in mental health context, but also think about how my mental health connects to my physical health, because for me to enhance a meditative state, right, is also for me to engage my body what I am able to do with it, right? How that looks, how that, how that's accomplished. When I think of taking care of someone who's sick or elderly, my health and vitality is at the utmost importance because if I'm not able to do, then I can't do for someone I love. And it's not to shame, blame, or belittle someone who has a disability, right? But in order to be a support to someone with a disability at times, that must mean you have to have a certain threshold and capacity to support someone. Right. 
And I think that yeah. it's important to take that into account because, yeah, like, what do you do, right? How do you how do you even get involved with that, right? As you take it to the beginning of the conversation about your family and your mother being able to join you, right? What what is the pathway look like of failure, of trial and error, of learning from the experience of having to engage in a healthy habit, right? When did the healthy habit become a a part of who you are? When was it something you had to do because there was another goal involved, right? Like I think of myself running long distance only happened because I needed to lose weight for Pop Warner football. But I love running long distance now. I only did it so I could play in the game on the weekend. But I developed an appreciation of love for it where now I do it as a means of meditation, as a means of my health and my cardiovascular system and my lung capacity, right? Breath control. You want to rap? Go run and rap and see how you do. So for you, when was that? When was that moment where you realized, like, that I ain't doing this because I want to play the game or I'm not doing this because someone told me to do it. I'm doing it because I enjoy it. Um, I think personally, um, recently a client asked me, um, do I always love it, you know, for myself, my personal um, activity um, and exercise? Do I always love it? And, you know, I got the, the, the cliche yes, right? There's also a cliche no, right? Um, but it's always... It's always me coming from a place of gratitude because I remember when it was scary for me, um, when it was dangerous for me to exercise. I remember when there was no way for me to know whether I was going to have an asthma attack or not. I'm right there with you. Right? It's like. Like, I couldn't always do what I do. Um, and, like, I had to, I, like, I remember when I had to be cautious. I remember when I had to be aware. Um, I remember when I couldn't push myself. Um, because I was, in, like, there was a, a inability to push myself. Um without harm coming to me and and it shaped my perspective right it shaped the way i saw the world it shaped the way i saw exercise it shaped the way i saw sports and activity it shaped the way i saw capability um because of that being able to do you know, became very important to me. And, right, I had had siblings who didn't have the same struggle, um, right? I had family members who were, you know, naturally talented, um, yeah, so like I had to, I had to work not for the muscle, not for 
you know, not for the endurance or the stamina. Yes, I did have to do that, but I had to work for the mindset. I had to work for the love. Um, and I just, I got started earlier than people when it came to working to, to, to loving it. My battle to love it started early, right? Like, At some point, like, I, there was a time where I couldn't ride my bike, right? Like, before I learned how to ride a bike, I had to ride on a, my brother's steering wheel, right? And then when I could ride a bike, right, I had to, I had to learn my limitations, Um So before I could even ride my have my own bike to to ride to learn, right? I had to be diagnosed, and then I had to then I had to be cautious and had to learn, you know, what it meant to be, you know, to have a condition that could, you know, limit me living a caution-free life. Um, and all I can do is be grateful because the caution has changed. And I think the only time I don't love it is when I'm not doing it. Like when it's a challenge for me to make time to do it, I don't love that part of it. Um, I don't love, I like the challenge part, but I don't love when there's not a, the balance is off. Um, but I, I love knowing why the balance is there. Um, and, and, and where the balance is off and why it's off. I love that aspect of it because it serves as an opportunity again to change and shift. Yeah, but because of, because I was, fighting for my life in sports I was able to win I was able to win now you know all the time um yeah so like I was I was lucky you know to start early right and then we talked about luck before on this, you know, on this podcast, and you know, you know, I I know that I'm lucky because I know people who have passed away from asthma attacks, right? Like I know I'm lucky because I know folks who, you know, didn't survive my neighborhood. I I know folks because I know I and I know folks that didn't survive my city. In the 90s, you know, I know folks who got out of high school, made it to college, and it didn't make it any further, right? I I know folks I play football with. I know folks I went to school with. 
I can count myself lucky that I that I have asthma, that it's you know in a space where it's measurable, uh, manageable, but also that I have a mindset, you know, to be stronger than it. You know, and so yes, it started early, but it's like you said, it's like I gotta, I had to do it first so I could do it, help other people do it. Um, like there's, there was, there's no other way that I could operate without, you know, not being able to give it back, giving people an opportunity to experience the freedom that comes with being able to move your body in a way you didn't know you could or think you could at a frequency, at a speed, at an at at an, uh, at a quickness um, that you know you didn't expect that you could get. I love that. I'm grateful for it every time. It's crazy you say that the whole thing about asthma brought back some memories of going to the hospital and having to you know be put on like a i remember it was like they put a mask on you right it's almost like a ventilator but like it would also be like the uh what they said was steroids to help relax the lungs um and i remember the aroma of what it smelled like was like root beer mm. like that's what i remember you know i remember the albuterol having an inhaler and having the chamber and then having the the high-powered white one that was like came with a, a chamber already attached to it. Like I remember all that. Like in that fear of if I run too hard, I may just pass out. I may just fall down. I may just have to stop. I may get scared. I may have anxiety on top of an asthma attack out of the fear of not being able to breathe. And what most resonates with me is what you said. I have to go beyond that. I have to push beyond that. I have to be bigger than that because that's how I felt. Having seen, yeah, like my sister and my cousins and everybody like have their struggles and issues with asthma as well to go through the trials and tribulations and what we had to do and navigate to manage it to now I can push myself to new limits and new boundaries with that in, in, in thought in my mind of knowing what what I had to overcome and what's still there because it doesn't just leave. But it is a thing that I do gain a level of appreciation. I gain a level of of, of thankfulness um, because I'm able to do. I'm able to do more than I've ever been able to do before. And And, you know, it's not about what you what you call it, right? Like, oh, how old are you? How much do you weigh? Nah, I'm going to do something. I'm going to make something of today, of the moment, of what I can. How I eat, how I move, how I sleep, what I think about. Um, I have to challenge myself and work on those things and, and understand the repetitive nature of it. Because, you know, as you said, right, that uh, the typical yes and the typical no of, when did you love it, right? And there's days when I don't love it. There's days when I rather not do it, but I know I need to do it. 
it has to be done. As my teeth need to be flossed and my teeth need to be brushed, I also need to exert some physical energy form to my life, for my vitality, for my future, for today, for my past, for my history, for my heritage. Yeah. And there's, you know, like, you know, I've, I've had conversations with people recently, young people, about the need to do even when you don't want to. When you don't when you don't feel like it to push yourself. Right. Just as I have to as I resonate with the words you said, being bigger than asthma. Right. Being bigger than that. I also resonate with, you know, doing what needs to be done when I don't feel like doing it. Right. At discipline. Right. That's discipline. Right. We think of the word discipline. We think of the word disciple. Right. We think of being taught and being led. Right. And the discipline does that. When you have that routine, when you have that ability to get into it and do your best. Not saying you're flawless. There, there might be a day I don't work out or there might be a day I don't do a workout that I should be doing. But I learn. I grow. I ask. I receive. Right. And it's a thing where, yeah, like. Especially when you want to know how. If you do and you are doing all you can, the how starts to become starts to become a little bit different. Right? The the how looks a lot different when you're doing everything you can. Well, how did it happen? Because I knew he was doing all he could. I I knew I knew she was doing all she could do. How did that happen? How did that happen to them when I when I know how they move, when I know how they are, when I know what they're they're what are they what are they based off of? That's not a part of their culture. That's not a part of their ethics. That's not a part of their code. Hmm. So yeah, you gotta ask how. How is, is important. It's healthy. Yeah. It's mindfulness, right? And I and I think that. You know, we're witnessing the time right now where it's ever changing, ever evolving. This is nothing like I've ever seen before. This is nothing. Ain't nothing. Not, no part of this. Right. It plays a big factor. And I, I can't help but think about people who I care about and just letting them know, like, yeah, you got to you got to ask how. And be willing if you get an answer to do yeah. something with that answer. Because sometimes you do ask how and you get an answer and you may not you may not like the answer. You may not want that answer. But it may be what you need to hear and you got to figure out what you need to do with it. Defy it or define it, right? You go against or you just further go with. But that's up to you. That's a choice you can make. But ask how because, yeah, I'm, I'm asking how on so many different levels, seeing all these things that are going on and you know, to the family and loved ones who are going through struggle, who have are experiencing loss. My heart goes out to you. My love goes out to you. My thoughts, my prayers, my energy and the work I do goes out to you. Because in my own way, I'm working to. Do my peace in this world. To support those in positive outcomes and sustainable outcomes. And to me. I don't see sustenance in death. I do see learning. I do see 
a lesson. I do see understanding. I do see a value in it. But I don't see it as a sustainable thing. I see that as an outcome of what you were able or unable to sustain for yourself. And, you know, I, I hope that people can devise what they want from it, right? Derive whatever meaning you want. But at the end of the day, right, choices and decisions have to be made. And asking how is important. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm asking that how. How do these things happen? How do, how? Maybe it ain't for me to know, but I got to say it. Maybe it ain't for, it's not for my ears. Maybe it's for yours, whoever you are. But I got to ask how. And I think that's important, like, important enough maybe you gonna hear it because if i don't get to maybe you find out and it can it can help me rest at some point so i can find resolve knowing someone knows i mean i'll i'll fluent any any words final words for the people out there any thoughts i think trust your instincts and intuition um and listen to your emotions they guide you um, continue to feel for what people are going through it's not all it's not all happiness it's not all um, good feelings um, but it's a reason you we feel them so that we could be again so we can be community and we see in folks who are in uh, who are desperate to leave home um, to the point um, of what pub some people would say, you know, endangering your life, right? To it's like to survive and you know, I wish you know the folks trying to trying to leave Kabul. You know, safe passage. You know, some kind of understanding. You know, amongst the 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 leaders of the folks. You know, choosing to displace them or you know put them in harm's way. And for all the lyrical ones listening, you know in spaces where the government's not doing the best they could for the people. I pray that, you know, professionally, you remember that you are a business and your your personality is your brand. The way that you navigate in the world is your brand. And you can choose to monetize that however you want when it comes to, to spiritually You are, you were born with the, the the energetical power to to commit to live in a certain way. You are equipped to to engage with the world and have the world engage with you with that energy that suits you. Physically, we know the bodies are meant to move. 
because they do, right? It's like if you have any muscle, it's it's there to to work. It's there to contract and expand in the hopes of decelerating against gravity, right? Like even if you can sit and lay down in the most comfortable bed on the most comfortable chair to get from the bed to the chair, you know, you've been given what you need to do so. And if it's a challenge to do though any of those things on a rep- repetitive basis, keep doing them because your body will learn and acclimate and it's never too late to start. I had a 76-year-old person take my class for the second time and a, a 71-year-old take my class for the first time today. Um, and I think I had somebody who's 17 or 18 in the class today. And everybody had to work for it. And everybody had their own pace. And it's all right if people don't respect your pace. As long as you don't disrespect it by, you know, being shifted and moved by their opinions. You know, take care of your space and your pace. Like, honor the pace that you that that suits you. Because it's probably some some movement, some vocation and some purpose where you're supposed to be moving at that exact pace. Um, Yeah, just pay attention to the energies. Sinio and I will be here. Um, to give love, you know, to anybody that's that got you know struggling with an idea, a good or a good example of it. Um, we out here loving y'all. Um, this is you know this is one way that we do we show that, but also you know y'all can tap in with the lyrical opposition community. And, you know, just engage, you know, and yeah, peace and love. Love and peace. And, you know, just to add on to that, to be thoughtful of those with disabilities, if you are capable and able, you can help create a more accessible world, right? You can give way for people who don't have the same abilities that you have by being able to manufacture, make, create, design, to use your abilities that you have, you've been bestowed with, to help someone who does not have those same abilities. That's right. So, you know, it is it is true. This is episode 62 of the Lyrical Ones. This has definitely been a blessing. And, you know, as we often do at this particular time.
one, 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 one,